Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beer, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex that, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. But that incredibly awesome theme song, that means it's time for Trek Talk. And that's right, it's Trek Talk and Thursday. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And boy, have we got a Trek Pack show for you tonight. Lots of Trek tonight, lots of Trek on Sunday, lots of Trek on Monday. We'll get to all of that, don't you worry. But first, before we get too far, let me introduce to you my most incredible Trek experts. We'll start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Glad it's Thursday for Trek talking. And we're enjoying about mid-70s right now. We're a bit of a it's going up, going down, going up, going down, but at least we're done with those 80s for a few weeks, I hope. Yep, spring is in the air, that is for sure. And we also have with us Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, it's another beautiful day in Portland, uh, although, as I was saying, I uh, was fighting some traffic, man. It's uh, You can tell pandemic is lifting here because there's a lot more people out on the streets driving to and fro these days, and so uh, plan a little extra time to get there, as I learned today, but happy to be here on time. And, and you made it. That's true. And we have got a great show for you guys. Welcome to uh, our 400th episode. That's right, 400 episodes of Trek Talking. Just... We have over 600 total if you go to our, our Blog Talk radio page because we uh, we have stunt tracks with E. Leslie Hoffman. We have some comic corners. We have some book nooks. We have some other special shows like the one we're going to do uh, this week. But uh, we this is actually our 400th Trek Talking Thursday. So that's, that's just awesome. And uh, we've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. Eric. And Paul, the wine guy, are back with their sixth and final Star Trek Armada wine collection. They're going to be talking about the United Federation of Planets, Old Vine Ziffendel. And we're also going to have with us Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines to talk a little bit about what went into making that wine, the designing of the bottle. But first, we're going to hear a condensed version of the Fireside Chat with Paul and Eric. You can tune in on Sunday for the full, uncut, unedited version of their Fireside Chat. That'll be on Sunday. But tonight you can hear the condensed 15-minute version. And remember, you can go to our Facebook page and you can get a 10% discount on the Star Trek Wines Full Armada. The discount is posted right at the top of the page. Just click on that and put Trek Talking in as your promo code and you'll get a 10% discount. So take advantage of that if you're interested in picking up the Star Trek wine. But wait, there's more. We're going to be talking about Star Trek card 
Watcher, which was last week's episode, and uh, we we think we know who the Watcher is. At least I think I know who the Watcher is, and we're going to discuss that. We're going to break it down, and we're going to talk about all the things that happened in that episode, like why didn't Guinan know Picard? Yes, there's an answer to that, absolutely, and we're going to talk about that, so you definitely want to stick around for that. We also want to find out what our fans thought about the episode on a scale of 1 to 10. We always ask you guys to score it. We'll find out what our, what our fan scores were. We have a convention calendar, and we have Star Trek birthdays. So we have a lot planned tonight. So we don't want to go anywhere. And uh, before we get started, though, I do have some callers on the line. It's, it's early, but let's see who we have. If my, 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 hey, my Uncle thing, Jim. Hey, hey, hey what's up? I know it's, that voice. It's, it's, it's the wine guy. <laughs> oh, you, know, it's, you mean uh, W-H-I-N-E, that kind no, of wine? No, no, no. No, no, Come no, no. on, the wine guy. <laughs> um, we don't have any cheese yet. No cheese with the wine. <laughs> I mean, the fancy kind. The sober broadcast. How you doing, everybody? We are doing Good. spectacular. It's Trek Talk and Thursday, and we got a lot of Trek. A lot of Trek. It's going to be fun. What's going on? A lot of fun. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. <clears throat> Let me let me put your name in here so that I know who you are. There we go. <laughs> and uh, we also have we have another caller on the line. I hope this is David. Hey, thanks for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name? And where are you calling us from tonight? It's David. It is. David. I was hoping that was David. Are you so this, today this is Wednesday though. It could be Wednesday, <laughs> but Trek Talking is always Thursday. So basically, we have the Portland version of Trek Talking tonight. Yeah, how about that? We're taking over. Yeah, way to go, Portland. So the, the, Port, the Portlanders are yeah, taking excellent. over. Wow. <laughs> so um, I want to let you guys know that Q, you know Q from Star Trek, he has his own phone line. I don't know if you caught this or not. But on Q's business card, on Star Trek Picard, there is a phone number. If you call that phone number, this is not a prank, by the way. If you dial that phone number, which I'm going to tell you right now, is 323-634-5667. You can also find that on our Facebook page. If you call that number, you will get a very special personal message from Q himself who's hanging out in the continuum right now. It's funny. It's, it's great. And it is not a prank. So if you want to hear what Q has to say, just give him a call at three, two, three, six, three, four, five, six, six, seven. And um, our very own Charles was kind enough to find a YouTube video of that phone number. So if you don't want to call it, uh, you can go to our Facebook page and you can click on the link and listen to the message. But it's so much better when you call it from your phone. So please give Q a call and see what he has to say. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Okay, guys. So we always start off our show with our fan shout out. You can get your fan shout out mentioned by going to our Facebook page. You'll see Live Long and Prosper at the top of the page. And just tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means that you are going to be mentioned personally in a future fan shout-out. 
and you want to tune in. Every week I pick 15 lucky listeners, and we're about to hear who those 15 are. So, Eric, why don't you get us started off with our fan shout-outs? Uh, you better believe it. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Alessandro Batucci, all the way from Genoa, Italy. That's right. Uh, and if you listen to our full show on Sunday, you'll hear a nice little bit of Italian mood music in the background as we enjoy uh, our bottle of Old Vines in. So, Alessandro, thank you for listening to us, and thank you for supporting us from uh, one of the countries with the best food in the world, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what? Hello. Yeah. I noticed that when I was listening to it. It sounded like <laughs> like scenes from an Italian restaurant or something there. Uh, that's exactly that's if Paul yeah. had his way, it would be uh, every scene like that would be a scene from The Godfather, right, Paul? <laughs> no, you know, if I told you, I'd have to kill you, and we don't want yeah. that to happen. So. You're gonna wake up, up with a tar- you'll wake up with a targ head in your bed. There you go. <laughs> well, or Mugatu boy, head. There you go. Oh, I enjoy the I enjoy the ship sounds from I think it was three or four. Yes. Yeah. Usually it's the bridge fun. back, the bridge noise in the background, but this time it was an it was an Italian mood music. Yeah, it'll be fun to listen to. Uh, yeah. Our very next fan shout out this week goes out to Shana Talaver von Zewal, which is my best interpretation of your name. I'm sorry if I massacred it. All the way from Burgundy, France. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we enjoyed uh some bordeaux uh burgundy is also a great wine region there so uh thank you so much for supporting us we're also saying hello this week to olga gonzalez racken from venlo netherlands uh thank you olga for listening to us from another one of our big supporting countries deborah clanton norbratton she says she's from the good old us of a oregon to be precise so uh yeah that's right three on the air and one on the line here oregon taking over the podcast hello deborah thank you for listening to us and my last fan shout out this week goes out to dennis fisher from dormund germany dennis thank you for listening to us charles who would you like to say hello to this week start off with stefan mooning from australia down under Rachel Larray Tony from Meridina, Idaho. Jordana Elasso from Florence, Italy. Jay Richards from Suburban, Chicago, Illinois. If you're from Chicago, then you're probably familiar with Great Mistakes, Illinois. And Kim Falkenberry from Texas. Jim, fine New Yorker. Not this time. Close, but no, but no, no cigar. We'd like to say thank you to listening to Johnson Lee from the Philippines. I work with somebody from the Philippines, so that's pretty cool. I'd also like to say Thank you to David Henderson from Scotland, which is really, really awesome because that's where my grandmother is from. We'd also like to say thank you and kapla to Catherine Troell from Toronto, Canada. GM Chris is up in that neck of the I don't know. Is he from Toronto? No, he's not in Toronto, but he's in the area. He's close. Metro area. He's close. And as close as we can get to New York this week 
is Robert Gagnon from Boston, Massachusetts, the home of the Red Sox. Go Red Sox. So thanks for listening to Robert. And last but not least on my list, we'd like to say thank you to Everton Porter from Birmingham, UK. We have a lot of listeners in the UK, which is, which is really, really cool. So thank you for listening in the UK. Once again, you can go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. Spell it all out. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper pinned to the top of the page. Just drop in there and let us know where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name, you're going to be on a future fan shout-out. So thank you so much to each and every one of you guys. Speaking of fan shout-outs, we could never, ever achieve 105,200 downloads of this podcast without you guys. That's just out. That's just true. Wow. It's true. So, and it's growing okay. and growing every single week. So the support is just there and we can't, we can't say how much we appreciate that. I mean, we, we like talking to ourselves, but it's better to share it with you. Yeah. Otherwise, who wants exactly. to just hear us hanging around talking? We, it, we do it for you guys and the numbers show. So thank you so much. And our Facebook listeners, we have 90,000, our Facebook followers, I'm sorry, we have 90,876. Eric, how many did we have when you joined us on the podcast? Do you remember? Yeah, it was on the order of about 5,000 downloads, and it was like right around there in members, too, I think. I think 5,000 is just a number that's really burned into my head from uh, about four years ago, so... Uh, it has grown exponentially over the last four years, for sure. Yeah, we've got we, we're 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 firing on all cylinders now, which is great. We're adding all kinds of very creative content. We're picking up listeners and followers all over the place, and we're bringing you guys an interesting podcast each and every week, and and it shows. So thank you so much. So listen, guys, we're going to take our very first commercial break of the evening, but don't worry, there's so much more to talk about when we come back. We're going to hear the condensed version of Eric and Paul's fireside chat with the old Vine Ziffendel. And we're going to have Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines with us to talk about the Star Trek Wines. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to do our sixth and final Star Trek Wines. This will be the sixth wine of the Star Trek Wines Full Armada collection i can't believe it's already been six weeks but it has and the final line is the ziffendale old vine and before we get to that we have to let you guys know there's this this little commercial that we like to play before each broadcast which was put together by our very own eric priority one message from starfleet coming in that's not it what that is not that (laughs) is not it where is it that's my message Charles, did a, Charles. Great job on that one. Charles yeah. did a great job on that. Where is it? Oh, my God. The pressure's on. There it is. Got it. <laughs> We're Sorry, going guys. to talk about something we know you're going to love. Star Trek Wines. We've been following Star Trek Wines since they launched about four or five years ago. Every year they come out with two new and authentic products. 
Fans of the original series, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, and the new Picard series will recognize several of these amazing Star Trek wines from each series. The entire Star Trek wines collection celebrates some of Star Trek's most enduring legacies, Jean-Luc Picard, the Klingon Empire, Cardassian culture, and the United Federation of Planets. Right now, Star Trek Wines is featuring its full collection, all six bottles in an interplanetary six-pack called the Full Armada, a must-have for any Star Trek fan. Over the next six weeks, we're going to sample and explore each wine and talk to the creators about how they put these wines together. These wines are rich in detail, including individually numbered bottles, hand-wax-dipped enclosures, 3D rendered bottles created from the original props used on the shows, and even a blue Chardonnay. Liner notes crafted by writer Una McCormick for historical accuracy are all part of the package. The elegant Chateau Picard Old World French Cru Bordeaux is produced by and imported from the real Chateau Picard in France. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sampling and reviewing the full collection, as well as looking into the newest wines just released in 2021. An Andorian Blue Special Reserve Chardonnay, which features a United Federation of Planets metal medallion, silk screen designs, and a stellar blue wine sought after throughout the galaxy. We'll also do a deep dive in the legendary Cardassian Canar, long considered one of the Holy Grail collectibles in the Star Trek universe. So join us as we go behind the scenes with the team behind Star Trek Wines. So guys, this is a live broadcast, so if my dog barks or I push the wrong button or something like that, you, you, you'll hear it all. There, there's no editing. You might ask yourself, is this live or is this Memorex? It's live. Hopefully you're not old <laughs> enough to get that reference. <laughs> but at any rate... Well, pretty much everybody on the podcast, except David, is. (laughs) Okay, so we are definitely live. Our phone number here is, Eric, why don't you give them our phone number? Uh, Our phone number is the same number it's been ever since day one. It's 646-668-2433, and we've got lots of lines available. Uh, Believe it or not, you can call in right now, and you can talk with any of us, uh, as Jim's will permits, you know, he's got the controls there. So uh, that's right. And you give us a call. We'll get you on the air. We'd love to hear from you guys. And before we get to the wine, the fireside chat number six, I do want to say, I do want to say to our listener, Ray, who's down in the Bronx and uh, had hip surgery, Ray, we're thinking of you and we're sending all our best and we hope everything went well and that you please give us a call when your surgery is over and let us know that you're all right. And to Ray's wife, Mrs. Kalar, you whip him into shape. So That's right. there you have it. Keep me um, in line. I just, I, keep, I just wanted to say, say hello to Ray and let you know that we are thinking of you. So without any further ado, guys, Eric and Paul got together last week and enjoyed the sixth and final bottle of the full Armada, uh, complete with dinner. I saw the pictures. It looked, it looked very delicious. So uh, without any further ado, here we are. This is the condensed version of Fireside Chat number six. Welcome to the United Fermentation of Planets, where no glass has gone before. This is number six. That's right. Our journey... 
the human adventure is just beginning, but our journey through these wines is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. And we are now looking at this incredible big, you kind of deliberately, Eric, wanted to save the big one for last. I did, I did. I mean, Zins right? are absolutely uh, among my favorite grapes in the world, and yeah. this one is, you know, just special reserve, and it looked amazing, and so I really wanted to save it for last. It's an amazing bottle. It's, um, I kind of flunked geometry in high school, so I can't really tell you what shape this is, but it's kind of like a beveled, uh, curving, uh, almost cylindrical, uh, yeah. what I'd would you say, call it? I'd say, I'd say it's got a square footprint, yeah. uh, and the square on the bottom is probably... Like rectangular, kind two, of, like two, a long rectangle, but with beveled sides. Well, it is. It's, it's a small square on the bottom. It's like three inches by three inches, and then it, well, or maybe a little less, and then it bevels outward such that it's smaller at the bottom than it is at the top, and then it just curves very nicely as if it was cut from a little piece of a dome or something. So we should brace people so that they know that this is going to be a little bit of a different report, despite your editing prowess, where people have no idea that it's seamlessly integrated. <laughs> that we're doing uh, this tasting tonight is kind of a bigger uh, coming together of our respective houses. And we keep saying all the time that you know we're trying these different wines, and a refrain that often happens is, you know, this wine would go really good with food. Mm -hmm. Somebody will say that in their best Shatner-esque tones. And so we're like, well, you know, that's really the case, especially if we're looking down the road at a Zinfandel. Mm -hmm. We better make some food. Mm -hmm. So tonight we're having a great big dinner party with... Uh, our various houses here tonight, and it's kind of silly and zany, and so you'll be getting this uh, in various tastes and various moments along the continuum of the evening, if you will. That is correct, and here we are at the opening of this uh, of this most amazing bottle. There she blows. Okay, the cork came out nice and cleanly. We have the United Federation of Planets. Old Vines in, I'm going to say 2019. It does say 2019 Vintage on the front at the top of the bottle uh, on the front side. It's kind of got that uh, United Federation of Planets emblem with, I think, what we decided was wheat on either side. Oh, wheat. I think it's wheat. They're like uh, agrarian Amish right. space explorers. It's kind of an interesting thing uh, to have the wheat on there. But, yeah, uh, but it's kind of a, yeah. it evokes peace and organization. It does. Right? And Special Reserve, this is uh, 2019 North Coast uh, Old Vine Zin, and I believe we were talking Zin and Petit Sera, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly. And I think it might even have... Uh, Something beyond Petitsera in here as well. I'm trying to see if it says it on the label. It's the world's smallest font, if you're wondering why there's this slight hesitation here from the uh, geriatric contingent of 10 forward. But uh, if it's the same as I've seen previously, then we're talking uh, percentages of about 87% Zen, 12% Petitsera, and a little bit of Syrah in there, just a percentage or so. So what do you think 1% Syrah would do for the wine? That's a very small percentage. It is. Maybe it helps balance the tannins and provide a little bit richer color here. Okay. okay. Maybe, just be rising. I don't mm -hmm. know. So Zinfandel's funny because it's, uh, as they say in Italy, right? Primitivo, right? And compared to like Syrah or even uh, like a cab, right? It can seem 
at first glance, like it's a lighter colored red. Mm -hmm. It sometimes doesn't seem like it's as dark of a red in terms of its color. Mm -hmm. It can seem like it's a little bit lighter sometimes, but that's a deceptive first impression. It is interesting because I was going to say the last wine, the, uh, the Bordeaux that we had, had that deep, deep, deep red purple. This right. has a much more um, translucent um, kind of look to it. You know, you can you can see through it a little bit more, but and a much redder yeah. color, yeah. Not, not so purpley. Yeah, coppery, mm -hmm. raisiny. Yeah. It's a little softer in appearance, but <laughs> full stop asterisk, uh, the Zinfandels tend to be uh, a little bit bolder. Mm -hmm. uh, I think even though they may, I mean, I don't know what we're going to experience here, but sometimes Zinfandels can be very, uh, very berry, mm -hmm. very fruit forward sometimes. And not like with the Merlot because there's so much tannic structure underneath, mm -hmm. right? Because there's that boldness and there's that earthy, rustic character to it that mm -hmm. it's going to be bigger. The Zins tend to have more alcohol content mm -hmm. to them as well. Mm -hmm. And they're going to probably finish longer. I'm excited to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. So we'll be doing this in this initial hit, first impressions, like always, to see what we think. And uh, then we'll, uh, we'll weigh in a bit, take a little break, and then we'll come back after we've prepared some food. Yeah, big, jammy. Jammy. Uh, but not like, you know, I, I hesitate I hesitate to say sweet almost just because it's got that strong fruit to it. But it's not sweet. But it's not sweet, no. Um, it's robust. And what I like about this compared to uh, a lot of other reds is, man, the finish at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, little hints of, like, vanilla and lingering tobacco and mm -hmm. things like that. I'm thinking that's the... Part of, you know, hi, I'm Petit Syrah. This is what I bring to the table, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's some of the Petit Syrah uh, contributions, mm -hmm. that you will, that, that give it that long, spicy finish, because it's a spicy finish, man. I definitely, the first thing that I tasted when it went in, other than the, the sort of oaky aftertaste, was strawberries. Mm. Absolutely strawberries was the very first thing that I got. And then it kind of like... The, it changed a little bit and it moved down my tongue and it became more of like a um, blackberry, but yeah. Anyway, wow. Uh, it smells like, uh, you know what it's, uh, well, hopefully this isn't blasphemous to compare it to something else, but I've had some ridged and pretty darn Oh, that's like... And this is like right there, I Yeah, think. that's a benchmark in. Yeah. Bridge is great. Yeah. Bridge is great. Um, I got a little... Let me see if I... Uh, I'm going off of... I definitely get the strawberry, for sure, mm -hmm. that you uh, were referencing, for sure. But I also get like a little whiff of what, to me, almost seems like licorice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The red vine factor. Yes, the red vine factor. <laughs> but it's interesting. You know, we keep saying these things that are sweet, 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 but the wine's not coming across as sweet. Oh. How is that? How is it, like, presenting in two different ways? I think it's because there's a lot of tannin in there and a lot of good structure that's in there, and I think it's just part of the general nature of, of the Zins is they're bolder. It feels like I'm eating just a re or drinking a really satisfying, uh, invigorating drink, you know, like a... Like, whereas the Bordeaux is like I'm sitting in my smoking jacket by the fire and I'm kind of, like, chilling out at the end of the night, this is 
this is a, a wine that is for hanging out with your friends. Yeah. And like we're doing tonight. Like having, we're doing tonight, exactly. Food, getting the getting the families together, um, mixing it with some some great appetizers. Some and I've loved all you know. What you want to do is like you just sit there sipping that right now. Some prosciutto. Oh. Some prosciutto and a little cheese, and then go back in again. All right. All right. A little bit of this hard uh, uh, white cheddar that we got here. Yeah. A little bit of prosciutto. It's like you you get you, you sort of pull it in the other direction, but. What I, I've loved all of the wines that we've tried from the Armada. I mean, I really sincerely have. But um, the thing that's uh, calling out to me about this one is this one, uh, you take your sip, but the finish keeps going much longer. I have to tell you, with a little prosciutto and hard uh, aged cheddar cheese here, this wine is really good. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Really yeah. Good. Bringing a tear to my eye. Yeah, you need to, it, it goes really well with a little bit of those other things to kind of, you know, make the, uh, make the palate, make the taste buds respond differently, open up differently. Mm -hmm. Appreciate the contrast. Absolutely. All right, well, this is a good start. I love where this is going. If this is how good it is now after being open for five minutes, good golly, Miss Molly, we are in serious trouble when we get this paired up with some meat, so... See you soon. See you soon, friends. As we were saying, just in case we didn't capture it before, <laughs> I think that this wine has actually maintained a lot of consistency over time. Uh, it, the big, like, kind of strawberry jamminess that we were sensing at the beginning, I think, has mellowed quite a bit, and as you were saying, that like sort of underlying tannic structure has started the, to come through. That earthy, rustic tannin quality is solid, and it doesn't go away, mm -hmm. right? It's right there. If this wine was a fabric, it would be a deep, wide piece of velvet. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Nice, soft. Right, red velvet. Yeah. Smooth, expensive, you know, eye-catching velvet that satisfies. I absolutely am. How a piece of fabric is satisfying, I'm not sure. Kind of like, but you want to not take it off, apparently. Like, it's like, but this is great. It's super yeah. satisfying. I think it was uh, an what? inspired, instinctive choice to save this as the last bottle of the Armada. I feel so Because it's that. extremely uh, rich and ripe and just going for it. And, uh, you know, the big rustic character to it is just really uh, really satisfying. It really goes good with a piece of some good meat and some good food. Like yeah, Paul has fixed up some steaks and all grabbed potatoes and some delicious broccoli and I will say that this thing just pairs perfectly with the meal and we're all excited about the big D later on. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, I don't think uh, in all the many years of various circuses I've been a part of in various gamma quadrant, alpha quadrant, delta quadrant, um, I don't think no circus was better orchestrated than this six-bottle wine circus that Eric put together and was kind enough to invite me to be a part of for this whole thing. It was a revelation, and it's been an incredibly great experience, and you sure know how to create a big audience-pleasing grand finale with that Zinfandel. Yeah, it was really something. Amazing. I mean, the wine was big and bold. The food that went with it was really amazing. Of course, the camaraderie and conversation and all of that kind of stuff just lended itself to enjoying the wine even more. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, we we I don't know if we spent as much time with the microphone tonight as we might have normally done because <laughs> we're so busy yapping it up with our respective clients here. But this was amazing, uh, particularly important though at this juncture to express uh, a huge. Uh, bow of appreciation to everyone at StarTrekWines.com for, for sending this armada our way. Normally you hear our armada is coming, you like put up your deflector shields, you head in the other <laughs> no. direction, you're like, oh no, no, get us out of here. That's right. Right? But this armada, we were lowering our shields and we're like, please come on board. This is fantastic, right? So to everyone at StarTrekWines.com and to all the winemakers, the folks who are working really hard to design all these bottles, all the people in marketing, it's just like your your work's hugely appreciated and this was really uh the work you've done in here is does not is not hidden. We right. we see it and it it's really speaks to the fan community in a, a major way. I'm hoping that everyone who's a fan and never really been much of a wine person before would be willing to give this a shot and try it out because it really is an incredible spectrum of different experiences and it's going to last you a good long time and it's yeah. isn't discovery what Star Trek's all about and it is. will help you discover new experiences and new worlds that you may never have become so it'll, it's a great thing to dive into so from both of us a huge thank you to uh, all of the quadrants to the United Federation of Planets to the Klingon Empire. To the Klingon Empire. To the Cardassian Empire. To the Cardassian Empire. To the, the Andorians. Empire. To Starfleet Academy. Wait, Starfleet Academy. If you guys should be cracking the books, what are you doing listening to wine? <laughs> Don't be thinking about wine. You should Not be studying you. really hard and training for the Academy Marathon. There's no wine drinking for you. Wait until you graduate. No, someday, years from now, maybe, but not yet. Not yet. From your older peers, for sure. That's right. But thank you, all of you, and especially. Big thanks to Uncle Jim mm -hmm. and Trek Talking for uh, being so gracious and so hospitable and letting us suck up so much of your valuable airtime for this podcast. <laughs> That's right. With us just being goofy and enjoying being friendly together, which is just fantastic. So this has been a really fun experience. I'm ready for more fun experiences, wine or without wine. Uh, it's just fun to be able to share some of this stuff with the uh, the wonderful, generous, and uh, and upbeat, positive Star Trek. Community. So thanks, friends. Really appreciate it, Paul. Thank you so much. All right. Beam me out of here, Scotty. All right, guys, that was our very own Paul and Eric with their final and sixth fireside chat. You can tune in on Sunday to listen to the full, unedited Eric and Paul on cut. I, I can't wait to hear that myself. It looks like uh, we're not going to be joined by Greg Spurrier from Star Trek Wines tonight. Um, he hasn't, he's not on the line, so we're going to have to go it cold. But this is live. That's going to happen from time to time. So, uh, guys, what can you tell us about the bottle that it came in? Because a lot of fans are going to be interested in the bottles. So what, 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 did you, what was the impression of the bottle as a collector's item? Well, I'll tell you that uh, this bottle in particular was made to be paired with the uh, with the other wine, the Chardonnay that we um, – was it the Chardonnay or was it the other one? Uh, shoot, I think I it was the Sauvignon not, Blanc. It was the Sauvignon Blanc. It is made to pair with the Sauvignon Blanc uh, in that they both have very similar bottle shapes, but the Sauvignon Blanc one is based on it having a circular footprint 
whereas the the old vine zin is based on it having kind of that square footprint. So um, when you listen to the to the full recording on Sunday, you'll get a um, Paul's wife Susan's opinion of it. She says this one kind of looks like a Starfleet uniform. You know, it, it's thin at the bottom. It it V's outward as if to kind of evoke you know the shoulders uh, of you in your Starfleet uniform kind of sticking out there. And it just has a really nice kind of rounded top like Paul is describing that recording where it's almost like it's cut from uh, a part of a dome. The glass is nice and thick. Um, and, but it is super really heavy, clear. too. Super heavy, super heavy. Uh, it had the same cork in it that the, uh, that the Sauvignon Blanc had. Um, what I will say is that, you know, all of these bottles that we have been um, looking at recently are clear, 100% clear glass. So anybody who knows anything about wine at all knows that if you get this, if you get this wine and you want to keep the wine in good shape itself, one of the things you have to make sure you do is keep it away from the sun. Uh, you don't have the normal sort of at least a little bit of inherent protection of a, of a brown wine bottle or that sort of thing between you and that UV light. Um, and to keep it fresh, you want to keep it in the dark, keep it in a cool, dry place. Absolutely. Tell her that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Put that in the basement. So, yeah. um, you know, I, did you guys, did you enjoy the whole full, full Armada experience? I know I did. I, I thought it was spectacular. I mean, it really was. That, uh, and I think uh, for me, what was really a, one of the best bonuses of this whole thing was I tend to be like just reflexively a red wine guy. You know, I'm like, I, I'm, you know, my weather vane's shooting for cabs and zins. I like, you know, pinots, but I like, you know, red wine because that's a lot of what we grow here in Oregon. And it was, so I, a lot of, you know, out of habit, you tend to, you know, oh, I don't really feel like white wine, right? And so to consciously sit down and, and take a, a really good studied look at uh, whites again, Sauvignon Blanc in particular, it was really great because it was like discovering really how pleasant these drinks can be and that they do have a fabulous place as part of a meal. So to me, that was great surprise, but it was just really fun to go through and see, you know, a mosaic of all these different flavors uh, that cover a wide spectrum of, of varietals. It was just done so well, uh, so, so well. So really, really cool. Uh, I loved it. And, you know, it's uh, Eric – to line them up in what I would say is just perfect batting order. I mean, there's no, he really thought it through and did a phenomenal job of, of lining these up to make a great tasting. So wonderful experience. Yeah. And I, this echo, was... I just want to echo real quick, uh, Jim, what Paul was saying. Uh, I think we, we bookended this thing perfectly. You know, we, if you remember back, uh, it was actually eight weeks ago. We've had a couple weeks off here and there. We started with that Klingon blood wine. And that was another one of these wines that just kind of like right out of the gate, just punches you right in the face and says, I am here to have fun with my friends and drink this wine together. And, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, this special reserve here at the end was kind of like a classy version of that, you know, <laughs> it's like the Klingons in Star Trek six trying to sit at the table uh, and, and eat with something that isn't their fingers. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, but the, said, man, that's a, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, but same kind of feeling. I'm looking for forward sure. to hearing the the whole uh, the whole thing on the sunny version because like this was kind of the abridged uh, edition tonight. But if you listen on Sunday, 
you might hear when the police come and almost took Eric away, right? That that was a great moment. So, spoiler alert. Like, spoiler what? alert. Yeah, exactly. You men with that bat lift out in the front yard, what's going on there? So, what I will tell you it, is uh, Charles, Charles was asking about our special guest, and I will say that we did have, uh, as we have every single week that we've tried one of these wines, we did have some special guests from uh, Paul's Vault of Awesomeness. Uh, not only that, uh, there's their special special guests. I'm not going to reveal who they are because I want you to listen to the show on Sunday, but let me just tell you they're good. And if you keep listening to the end of the show, you might just get a tour of his entire joint as well. So it, it's a good time. Oh, oh Lord, were you recording that? Uh, secretly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You might okay, get a little bit of my daughter and I kind of talking about what our favorite parts are, too. I will tell you right now, my absolute favorite, and Paul knows this, too, he's got this Adam West Batman that is absolutely unbelievable. The detail's amazing. And when I was a kid, I would come home from school every single day, and at 3 o'clock, Batman was on, uh, and I would watch who, who reruns of Batman. Like, yeah. like, didn't yeah, we all do like that? The perfect time right after school yeah. to just watch these things. And, so, yeah, yeah. Big Adam West Batman lover. So, um, I just want to Yeah. I, I just got to say that when I want to send out a huge thank you to Heather Torres from Star Trek Lines for making the initial contact with me, and of course for Greg Spurrier for for joining us for the past couple of weeks to explain the process of choosing the wines and choosing the vineyards and designing the bottles and what goes into to all of that. It's, it, it's been a lot of fun. This is the first time that we, me, meaning our team, meaning you guys um, involved in the podcast, have actually worked together with another outside entity to present it on the podcast. And I wasn't sure how that would work. Um, I don't drink wine. I'm not a drinker, so I wasn't really sure how that would all work out. But I have to say that I've been very pleased, very impressed with the outcome. And I hope that we have a long and prosperous relationship develop with Star Trek wines. And when they come out with more wines, I hope that we gave them a very good taste, no pun intended, in their mouth and that they'll come back with their new wines and want to share that with us so that we can share that with you. Um, so I just, I just want to yeah. say thank you to everybody involved. Mm-hmm. I was going to throw yeah. in yeah, what's that. Next? That's my question. What are they up to next? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jim, ahead, I'm going to throw in there. I'm more of, I was more of a beer, more of the more unique beers in there. But after listening to a lot of their wine talk, I decided to go to the store and actually look at a few bottles of wine. And I'm going to take the wine a lot more seriously now. And I've actually been enjoying a glass of wine every so every few nights before going to bed. And, to, and listening to Paul's comments about how he describes the wine, it's like, Okay, I got a better understanding of what I'm drinking, how it smells, how it tastes. I love well, it, 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 it makes me want to makes me want to open my Klingon blood wine, but I can't. That would be sacrilege, total sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and I mean, I think that you got to save it for of... the reappearance of Kalis, man. When Kalis yeah. reappears, that's right. That's right. Time. 
And, and you know, right. I got to tell you that that is kind of one of the interesting lines with these products. Uh, I'll just echo what Paul said. I mean, we we liked uh, in different ways every single one of these wines that we tried. And not not only when you buy them are you buying you know a bottle of wine, you're buying the design of the bottle, you're buying all these things. And so you, I can imagine that you you would have this moment where you say, "Gosh, do I want to drink the stuff that's inside?" Here's what I'll tell you, Jim. Uh, in in 20 years, you may you may wish that you had actually drunk the the Klingon uh, wine that is inside there. So don't be afraid to seize the day when the time comes and you need that special something to kind of like kick it up a notch. Um, it may be the time to drink that that Klingon wine. And uh, you know, are you ever like realistically, or if you're thinking value, are you ever going to get rid of this bottle before the day you die? No. Hell no. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy it to its fullest extent. Enjoy the inside. Enjoy the outside. But for goodness sake, do the inside with good friends. And uh, on I got to I got to tell well, I got to tell everybody, the, uh, God's honest. I'm not a I I do not drink alcohol at all. But I got to tell you, when we were when my wife and I and my daughter were watching. Card, the premiere of Picard, and he's in the vineyard, and the, the wine bottle, the label's beaming onto the bottle, and the the cart the cart is going over, beaming all the 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 grapes off the vines, which was really cool. And there's a knock on my door, and it's the UPS man with my Picard Chateau Picard, and I'm holding this actual bottle of an actual wine in my hand as Picard's beaming the label onto it on the TV show, it was, it was the coolest thing. You feel like you own a part of the show, a a legitimate real part. It's, you know, it was really awesome. I I was very impressed. So I I think I've got an idea. I think I have an idea. Some way or another, one of us needs to get a bottle of Picard it needs to be saved until the three of us are together. Mm-hmm. And we need to That's share right. a bottle. Absolutely. That's a good and, um, I just want to let everybody know that Star Trek Wines is going to be at Mission Star Trek Mission Chicago. And our, our good friend Shannon is going to be there as well. And you guys definitely want to stop by at the Star Trek Wines table and look for Heather and look for Craig and tell them that Trek Talking sent you, and you'll get a discount, and you can walk away from the show with your wine in hand, like Shannon is going to do. So please do that, so that they know at Star Trek Wine that we sent you. That's very, very, very important. So check that out. And I think that this little, I think that our first official promotion uh, went well. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah I, I, I have to tell you, I was a little nervous about it, Jim, because I didn't want it to feel like we were doing commercials necessarily, but we were presented with this great opportunity, and it really, like, not only was it a fun thing to do, it was something that was extremely Star Trek related, extremely collectible related, and I will tell you from a personal standpoint, and Paul knows this as well, it was an opportunity for us to just really get to know each other a little bit more and to spend some time together and talk about something that we, uh, not something, many somethings that we <laughs> turned out to have in common. Uh, so it, it was really a special experience for me as well. Yeah. I wasn't sure how it was. Friends. 
when 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 they reached out to me, I wasn't sure how it was going to all come together. But after these last like six eight weeks that it's been, I've been very pleased with the outcome, and I hope that we can do something like this with another official Star Trek sponsor down the road. I think it was a lot of fun, and I can't wait to do something like this again. And while I have definitely, I can't do this without thanking Paul. Uh, for for making this because uh, I'm not a wine guy at all, but I think that I think that Paul really pulled the whole thing together with his knowledge. So thank you so much for making all of this what it was, Paul, and for becoming a valued member of our Trek Talking family. So thank you so much. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate your hospitality, and it's just been more fun than I could have ever imagined. So. You know, every time I see anybody on Star Trek drink something now, I have kind of a different vibe, you know? It's like, watch Dirty to Babel, watch whatever it is. It's just crazy. It's like, wait a second, resonation. (laughs) Thank you you from uh, the bottom of my socks. I think that that a lot of Star Trek fans know about the wines, but to hear hear actual fans, because we're not not getting paid a lot – a misconception from a lot of our listeners, and we get this all the time, is that we're being paid from Paramount or from whomever uh, to say the things that we say and do the podcast. And I can tell you emphatically, from the bottom <laughs> of my heart, there, there is absolutely no money to be made in, in this at all. Okay? I mean, I might get a, a copy of a book or something once in a while, like, like the, the, the book of grudge or something like that. And that's my big, my big happiness or, or a bottle of Klingon wine or, or, or a bottle of Chateau Picard, but that's about it. You know, we do this because we love to do this and we want to share that experience with you guys. And if you were wondering about Star Trek wines, if you wanted to try Star Trek wines, if you weren't sure about the bottles, the designs, the taste, the texture, whatever, I hope that these past six weeks have helped you make up your mind. Um, because Paul and Eric gave you an honest opinion. Um, no one was getting paid to say good things. They said good things because the wines and the presentation earned good things. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that, get that out there. So it's so. all good things. All All good things. things. That's right. All good things. (laughs) So, guys, that wraps up. That is our final, final Fireside Chat and our final Star Trek Wines. But you can listen to the full, uncut Eric and Paul on Sunday. So you guys want to check out our Facebook page. I'll get that posted. And I hear that Eric actually watched The Thing for the first time. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to hear what he thought about that as well. Not this new <laughs> CGI version one, the original no. John Carpenter thing, puppets and actual special effects. No CGI stuff, but the real thing. So I'm interested Practical, to see what Practical, baby. Thought. Practical. Practical. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. <laughs> right down the line. So uh, you guys can tune in for that on Sunday. Well, we got to take another quick commercial break. But we are not done with Trek talking. Oh, no, no, no. We still have our Star Trek birthdays coming up. We have a review of Star Trek Picard, The Watcher. We have a convention calendar. And then we're going to give some fan scores on Star Trek Picard, Watcher. So please run to the bathroom, run to the microwave, get those chicken wings, come right back. We have a lot to talk about after we hear from Jamie. 
Hi, this is Jamie from Chep Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And welcome back, everybody. Um, we're going to talk about, we're going to have our Star Trek birthdays first. But guess what, guys? How long have we been doing this podcast? It's a long time. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well, um, my, my old decrepit eyes, <laughs> um, we, we can only have four callers on the line at once before I have to scroll to page two because I do the podcast from my Kindle. I used to do it from my laptop, but I, I have to go to a quiet part of the room of the house. So I take mm-hmm. my Kindle and I come in my Star Trek room amongst all my Star Trek posters and stuff. And oh, I no, did we miss Greg? Here. Oh, no. And no, so, nope, nope, we <laughs> okay, didn't. Good. But good. I just noticed I had to blow up the screen a little bit to read it. And guess what I noticed in the upper left when I blew up the screen in the upper left-hand corner on my Kindle for the screen for Block Talk Radio, it mm-hmm. says switchboard with the number of callers. <gasps> so oh, it tells me, it, and I just, we have been a years, way to know. <laughs> and it tells <laughs> me, so if that number gets over four, if I look up and I see five, that means I got to scroll to page two because there's someone waiting there. I never noticed it after all these years. So I apologize to anyone that I didn't pick up on over all these years. But I'm thinking you know of what, you. Jim, you know what you <laughs> have proven today is that you can teach an old dog new tricks. And I'm a pretty old dog. I'm long on the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, so we should never miss another caller now that I've noticed that there. So all I got to do is if that number goes above four, I know we got a caller on the other line. But it does look like we lost Paul, though, unfortunately. But um, Yeah, Paul had, Paul Paul had, had to go. go. He had to go, yeah. but uh, but uh, it was great to have him on the line for the actual playing of the recording, though. That was fun. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Paul. And it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. You know, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but we love him so much. We always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, this week, Jim, we are uh, book-ending our remembrances with a couple yeah. of super heavy hitters. Um, the first person we're going to mention this week was uh, the revered and most excellent writer uh, of many, many of the original series, animated series uh, episodes, DC Fontana, um, called DC in the credits uh, because it was hard for her to uh, be able to acknowledge that she was a woman uh, and use her actual name. So uh, DC, Dorothy Fontana, DC Fontana. um, She was appointed as the series uh, story editor uh, for TOS, and then she would later work with Roddenberry again as the story editor and associate producer 
on the animated series. Um, and not only that, but her reach went well beyond Star Trek. She also worked on such franchises as Logan's Run, uh, The Six Million Dollar Man, and Buck Rogers in the 25th Century. Buck? Yeah, really, really talented person. Um, you know, wrote my favorite episode ever of uh, the animated series yesteryear. Uh, as well as myriad other of the best, considered the best episodes of TOS years. Um, so we lost DC Fontana a number of years ago, um, but but man, she was something special. Uh, three three years ago, uh, we lost her in 2019. Uh, so I don't know. You guys have anything and you I, want to say about DC Fontana? I, I can't express the importance of DC Fontana. She was a pioneer for women's. Uh, for, for women's rights in the industry, as yeah. Eric said, she had to go by the, the her anagram DC Fontana because women couldn't write for TV back then. But Gene Roddenberry was so impressed with her that he gave her that job anyways, and she had to use DC Fontana. She couldn't use her actual name. And if you think about it, that's not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. We're talking the, the mid '60s. Women couldn't use their names. They could let that sink in. And so yeah. D.C. Fontana did it anyway. She also happened to write Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean so, she wrote, she did Journey to Babel. She did Ultimate Computer, Enterprise Incident, uh, like all over the place. Uh, she wrote a really good episode of DS9 called Dax. Um, yeah, just fingers all over the franchise. So much. Yeah, it, it's, it's dabbled with D.C.'s. Um, you know, input. So she's very important to Star Trek. So uh, it's definitely worth starting off with her. But we got a lot more, don't we, Eric? Mm-hmm. We do have a few more remembrances we this week. Uh, we're also remembering uh, actor John Paul Stewart. Uh, he of course played Alexander Rojenko in TOS's, uh, or excuse me, TNG's episode. Um, uh, Reunion, uh, you know, one of the first times we actually see uh, young Alexander, who would later be played by another actor. Uh, one thing that is kind of interesting about uh, about John is that uh, he actually ended up in 2013 moving to Portland, I found out, uh, where he became known locally uh, in a band known as Johnny P. Jules. So there you go. We have a little bit of Star Trek that has moved to Portland and stayed here. John Paul Stewart uh, would have had a birthday this week um, where he's still with us playing Alexander Rujico. We're also saying uh, congr- or happy birthday and sending our remembrances out this week to actor Ed Peck, who played Lieutenant Colonel Fellini in TOS's episode uh, Tomorrow is Yesterday, uh, a very excellent episode. He also uh, would be uh, have a recurring role. I don't know if you guys remember him or not. He's the same actor who played the recurring police officer on Happy Days, whose last name was Kirk. Uh, so <laughs> he, he spanned from Happy Days to Star Trek, which is pretty cool. Happy birthday to Ed Peck. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Peter Marco who played Lieutenant Gatano in TOS's episode, uh, The Galileo 7. Uh, Definitely an actor you would recognize. uh, Was also famous for being on Outer Limits. Uh, He was on Hogan's Heroes. Uh, So 
prolific in the in the 1960s there. Happy birthday to Peter Marco. We're also saying happy birthday to Ron Sobel, who played Wyatt Earp in the most excellent TOS episode, Spectre of the Gun, a uh, great Wyatt Earp. Um, he actually was in another movie, curiously, with Aaron Eisenberg uh, called Pterodactyl Woman from Beverly Hills. <laughs> So, How did I miss that one? That's, that's uh, right up my alley. How did I miss oh, that? I know. Uh, oh, by the way, Jim, if you haven't seen Lamageddon yet, you have to check that out. Uh, it's very good. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances this week to Barbara Dowling, who played Edith Mulcherry in Voyager's episode, Spirit Folk. Um so happy birthday to her, and also happy birthday to Philip Allen, who played Captain J.T. Esteban in uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, you know, a curious, yeah, a very, very curious fact about him. So he uh, was in, uh, what was he in? Oh, he was in a show called Lou Grant with Merrick Buttrick, who, of course, played David Marcus. Uh, in Star Trek too. So the two of them worked together in something that was non-Star Trek related, another little uh, six degrees of separation situation there. So happy birthday to Philip Richard Allen, uh, who would have had a birthday this week. And uh, our final remembrance this week is perhaps uh, one of the biggest. And I think that uh, Jim will tell you that uh, we've got some some good extra shows to listen to if you'd like a little bit more information. But uh Mr. Spock himself, Leonard Nimoy, uh, originator of the role, would have had a birthday this week. Um, and, of course, we lost Leonard Nimoy many years ago at this point. Um, and I will say that he, if you don't know anything about Star Trek, if you've literally never, ever seen an episode of Star Trek, chances are pretty good you know who Mr. Spock is. Uh, which I just think uh, really speaks to the gravitas that he brought to that role and the influence that that role would have over pop culture. You know, here we are 56 years later. Uh, so happy birthday to uh, Mr. Spock himself. Guys, what do you want to say about Lemon, Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, I, I had an opportunity. I met him at a convention once, only once. And uh, I, I was very impressed the one time I met him. Um, I met him and DeForest Kelly both in, in um, Hunt Valley, Maryland. Uh, just a great guy. I, I can't say enough about him. He was he was a really great guy. And uh, speaking of extra shows, I was so um, impacted by his death. I, I didn't think I never was really that impacted by an actor's death before, but. I was doing the podcast with Admiral Ken. Now, this is years and years ago, uh, 2015, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and I was early, early in my podcast career at that point. In fact, I was just coming off the Masters of Disaster podcast with Ken and had just started this podcast. It was in its infancy back then. And I was so moved by by the feelings of Leonard Nimoy's passing. I didn't quite know how to feel or why I was feeling the way I was feeling over somebody I really never personally met or, or know that I decided I would do a podcast for the fans and people could call in and talk about Leonard Nimoy. So myself and Ken did this, this, this live podcast tribute 
to Gene, to uh, Leonard Nimoy. And I pulled it out of the archives. I blew off the dust. We didn't even have a theme song back then. That's how old it was. And I reposted it. I rebroadcast it for all of you guys to listen to. So if you haven't given it a listen, um, go back. It's still on our Facebook page. And you can hear what we had to say about Leonard Nimoy the day after he passed away. So check that out if you're interested. So, yeah. Excellent. That's it. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, well, that does it for our remembrances, guys. Uh, so happy birthday to all those who have gone before us who would have had birthdays this week. Charles, who are we celebrating with? Who is still with us this week? Okay. I got a few minor ones. Jim's got the heavy hitters this week. So let's start off with Melvin Caesar Belly, who played Steve O'Connell in TOS's And the Children Shall Lead. Jacqueline Kim played Ensign Demora Sulu in Generations. Jennifer Edwards played Professor Kyle in TNG's New Ground. John DeVries played Victor and Wilson Granger in TNG's Up the Long Ladder. Ray Reinhardt played Admiral Aaron in TNG's Conspiracy and Professor Tolan Wren in Void Ex Post Facto. Marley McQueen played Mozzati in Void. Now, she's Marie? one of the rescued board children where, where right. Egypt came from. Ah. Uh, Yep. And, and I didn't list really... all the I, right. I didn't list all the episodes, but she was in I, I think five or six episodes. I didn't bother listing them. Yeah. Uh, but she's she's been in quite a, the same amount as Ichib, pretty much. Yeah, her it's uh it's actually spelled Mezzotti, M E Z O T I, and she just got a really great card in Star Trek Attack Wing too. So Mezzotti now has a card. Oh, cool. Okay. Maurice Le Marche played Lieutenant Ellis in LSD's Much Ado About Boimler. And the last one on my list is Casey King, who played the most recent version of Ichab. Um, how do we pronounce his name? Ichab. Ichab. Ichab in. Card Stardust Rag. Ugh. A bit of a sad ending for that character. Yeah, the the show, the episode that almost made me stop watching season one. Uh, that 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 in particular yeah. that scene that was pretty brutal. It was. And on the gyms, which Jim's got a good one right off the bat. Yeah, we want to say happy birthday to Doug Drexler, who's pretty much been everywhere. Uh, he worked makeup, special effects, scenic art, and ship design. And he's worked on, he's done one of those many things on TNG, DS9, Voy, Enterprise, and Picard. He's also worked on several of the Star Trek movies, including Star Trek The Motion Pictures Director, Director's Edition in 2001, Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Generations, 
Nemesis, and Insurrection. He's also worked on a lot of Star Trek fan films, um, so he's 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 been around. He's had his hand in Star Trek for decades. So happy birthday, Drexler. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Brenda Strong, who played Rochella on TNG's When the Bow Breaks. She's the one that wanted to steal all the kids from the Enterprise because her race couldn't have children. Yep. Um, yeah, Classic. interesting character. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday to, to Brenda Strong. And th- this one is an incredible one. We like to say happy birthday, and resistance is futile to <laughs> Annie Wershing. And you're saying, well, geez, why is that so interesting? Who, who could she be? Well, do we have anyone out there who's watching Star Trek Picard right now? I bet mm-hmm. you we do, because we're going to talk about it in, in coming up very shortly. And she has an incredible incredible role on uh, on Star Trek Picard. I'm very impressed. We are the Borg. Ah! We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to serve as us. Resistance is futile. Back, Jim, back, you gotta, back. You gotta warn me if you're gonna do that, man. Whew. Back in the closet. She uh, She plays the Borg Queen, most excellently, I might add. The scene where her and Girardi were bouncing back and forth in each other's bodies and voices, just, she creeps me out hanging on that wall. It's just incredible, incredible. I'm, I'm just blown away by her. Uh, but she did appear, before she was the Borg Queen, she did appear on uh, Star Trek Enterprise as Liana in the Oasis episode. I guess they were so impressed with her that they brought her back, and I'm glad that they did, because she just makes that born queen so creepy. I love it. Uh, We'd also like to say happy birthday to Danzita Kingsley, who played Ariana in TNG's Haven. She's the one that uh, was on the plague ship and was calling to uh, Deanna Troy's betrothed. And he thought it was Deanna, but it actually was this was uh, not. We also want to say to another incredible actress from Star Trek Picard, we want to say happy birthday to Orla Brady, who plays Laris on Picard. She also plays, so far, she plays The Watcher. And we'll have to tune in tonight to see how that Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Which, <laughs> which I got to tell you guys, I did not watch tonight's episode yet. Good. Dun, dun, dun. Good. So, because I just I can't do it. I can't do it because I I mix them up and I slip things in that I shouldn't. So, I didn't watch it. So there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and last on my list for non Klingons, uh, the woman that I had at my very first Star Trek convention when I wanted to do a convention, who do I want to have? It was her, Marina Sirtis, Counselor Deanna Troy herself, guest star at my first convention and if you've never seen marina sirtis at a convention you're missing Ooh. out yeah she is yeah. a pip i mean uh, people get up to go to the bathroom and she'll yell at you where are you going <laughs> you um, yeah. around, man. <laughs> y- yep i mean she will uh, when we had her at our convention uh it was, it was in 1991 and we had a giant life-size cardboard cut out of captain kirk from star trek 5 holding up the video and she came up on the stage and she said, that's not my captain. And she threw Kirk off the stage. So, uh, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's like that. She's just, she's a riot. So 
I love Marina, yeah. and uh, she's just awesome. So happy birthday to Marina Sirtis. And uh, that wraps up my birthdays, but I always do the Klingons last, and I, I have a really good one. But before we get to him, I want to say happy birthday and kapla to Rick Pasqualone. Pa- Pasquale? Pas- Pasquine. Uh, yeah, I'm going uh, to say Pascalone. Pascalone, who played yeah, yeah. in uh, DS9's The Sword of Kalas. Um, also has a very excellent Star Trek attack wing card, good on defense, converts the battle stations to evade. Thank you, Tural. Now, this is an older version of the Tural that we saw in Redemption when Worf spared his life, but yeah. it's the same character. So he's yep. still skunking around out there trying to get into no good. So happy birthday. And last, but definitely not least, another individual. I had him at his very first Star Trek convention, along with Charlie Cooper, who played another awesome Klingon, General Cord in Star Trek V. Mm-hmm. And Robert O'Reilly, we've had him on this podcast, and uh, he hijacked the podcast, by the way. <laughs> uh, Robert O'Reilly, who plays Galron on TNG and... DS9, and he's he, he's he's a riot uh, as as well. A lot of fun. So kapla and happy birthday to Robert O'Reilly. Well, guys, that wraps up our birthdays. And uh, coming up next, we do have a few conventions to get to on our convention calendar, and then we're going to move right into our review of Star Trek Picard Watcher and get our fan scores out there. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with convention calendar. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And we're back, and it's time for convention, convention, calendar, calendar, calendar. And it's that time again, convention calendar time. Now, I do believe that COVID is winding down in a lot of areas, but it might not be winding down in your area or where these conventions are being held. So please check with the venue to make sure that the convention is being held and to find out if there are any um, restrictions or COVID restrictions that they're still following. So Eric, why don't you start us off with our convention calendar? Uh, You bet, Jim. Uh, Coming up in just about a week or a little bit more, we've got Star Trek Mission Chicago, perhaps one of the most anticipated Star Trek conventions uh, of the year so far in the United States. That's happening April 8th through the 10th at McCormick Place in Chicago. And uh, if I could go, I would. Sounds like a good time. Uh, Star Trek Wines is going to be there. Stop by the table. Uh, Let them know that Trek Talking sent you. And uh, it's a good chance you might get a discount. So uh, check it out. Uh, We're also tracking the Fan Expo Philadelphia, April 8th through the 10th, the same weekend. If you're not in Chicago, uh, maybe you're in Philadelphia, and you should head to the Philadelphia Convention Center, uh, where you can see the Fan Expo right there. Uh, 
And we're also checking out the Supernova Comic Con and Gaming Fest Gold Coast, April 9th through the 10th at Gold Coast Convention and Exhibition Center in Broad Beach, Queensland, Australia, down under. That's right. Go see some Star Trek uh, tomorrow relative to where we are right now because, of course, you all are 15 to 18 hours ahead of us. Thank you very much. Jim, which conventions are you paying attention to? Well, I, I wouldn't consider myself a Whovian, although I have enjoyed what we've watched of Jody Whittaker's version of Doctor Who. But we are following the Sci-Fi Sea Cruise 2022, April 18th through the 29th, the Royal Caribbean Visions of the Sea departing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. This is a Doctor Who cruise. So if you're a Whovian and you're a Doctor oh. Who fan, this is for you. Um, I'm I'm assuming there's still uh, cabins available. I don't know. But check it out if you're interested. We also are following Calgary Calgary Expo 2022, April 21st through the 24th, Stanby Park, Calgary, AD, Canada. So if you're up in Canada, check that out. And last but not least on my list is HavenCon 2022, April 22nd to the 24th in Austin, Marriott South, and Austin, Texas. And uh, Charles, what's on your list? Well, let's start off with South Texas Comic-Con, April 22nd to 24th. McAllen Convention Center, McAllen, Texas. Con, April 23rd and 24th, Tennessee Technology University Road Rhodey University Center, Cookville, Tennessee, and Vermont Sci-Fi Fantasy Expo, April 23rd to 24th, Champlain Valley Exposition, Exit Junction, Vermont. And I got to tell you, Trek Talking, well, yours truly, Uncle Jim, is going to be there with the one and only Leslie Hoffman. And um, hopefully I'll be doing a panel at the convention. I'll be waving my batlet around. So if you want to touch Uncle Jim's batlet, that's the perfect time to do it. Just come up to me and tell me you want to touch my batlet, and I'll be more than happy to let you touch it. We'll be up there live. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can get some people together and we can do a Star Trek Attack Wing demo. Maybe because they're going to have a, a huge gaming area up there. And I'm hoping that we can get some Star Trek Attack Wing people because I'm going to be too busy at the Trek Talking booth. I won't be able to run the demos myself. So um, I'm, I'm hoping I can get some people together and we can bring the board cube and we can have some fun with Star Trek Attack Wing. I'm trying to put that together too. So if you're in the area, stop by and visit the booth and say hello. I'd love to put some names to some faces. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so, Jim, uh, uh, since since we since you mentioned it just real quick before we move on, uh, if you are into Star Trek Attack Wing and you've been wondering where it has been, um, we just got some good news, and maybe we'll talk about this uh, on our next show. But uh, at least two new faction packs have been announced as of today. Uh, there's a Romulan faction pack, and there is a Federation faction pack that are coming out for Star Trek Attack Wing. So that is pretty exciting news. Looking forward to new product. Uh, it, uh, hopefully well, we can find a game store that has it, I hope. Well, all pretty, much, game shops pretty, that... much, yeah, pretty much any game store that has a relationship with the right 
uh, distributor should be able to pre-order this stuff. And here's a reminder to all the folks out there. Pre-ordering is the way you tell WizKids that you support them keeping to produce uh, products for games like this. Um, you know, Star Trek Attack Wing stuff only comes out every once in a while, but if you want them to keep making more, uh, pre-order the stuff that's coming out now because that lets them know that they should keep going and we should keep getting more and more and more. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, and, Jim, speaking yep. of Leslie Hoffman... People might want to go to the Leslie Hoffman's appreciation page and see what she's been up to lately. I see some new pictures up there. Yes, absolutely. You definitely want to do that. Check that out. Maybe we'll, maybe Truck Talking will take a little trip up to Saranac Lake and we'll, we'll do something with that. But yeah, you definitely want to check that out if you're a Leslie Hoffman fan. Just remember, there's no running in the hallway. Mm-mm. Yep. You don't want to mess around with that. <laughs> no, definitely not. And uh, before we move on to our next segment, we do have David with us. And David, speaking of Star Trek Attack Wing and speaking of these lot of awesome Star Trek games, um, what's going on with you? Anything interesting that you might want to mention to our listeners? Yeah, actually I do. Um I am in the development of helping a game right now, a PC game, to develop a Star Trek game uh, based off of the PC game called Stellaris. It's a mod, and if you ever wanted to play your own version of a Star Trek universe from beginning to end, this game literally lets you choose any type of direction you want to take your universe so you know some places all of a sudden Jonathan Archer might end up getting thrown to jail for some odd reason for doing a certain event or uh, Captain Picard may or may not become the Borg so technically if you really wanted to play your own version of the timeline of Star Trek this game is called Stellaris all you have to do is just download the game um, and go into Excuse me, go into the mod community, and the game is called Star Trek New Horizon. And that's pretty much a, it's a giant game developed, it's being developed right now, it had been being developed. And um, if you get the game, you just have to get the uh, mod, and yeah, there you are, you are going through, and. Uh, the game is still in development, and uh, there will be more and more patches going through, but it's looking pretty good right now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so check that out. And that's David available from me, Steam? Yeah. I believe yes. Steam, yeah. And David has sent me some screenshots from this game, guys, and it does look really good. It looks like it, it's really cool. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never played a mod game, but I, I might actually give this one a shot. It looks pretty cool from the screenshots that David has sent me. I'm really into yeah, Klingon so in the, case, the if you didn't know. The screenshots I've been sending to you guys actually came from a different game, but I have, a, I have actually sent you some game from uh, some screenshots from the other game, uh, Star Trek New Horizon, but the ones that I've been recently sending guys is from another game I'm not a part of, but they gave me permission to go ahead and say this one as well. Um, this is from a different game called Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion, 
And this is more of a 3D version of Star Trek, but it's not really running your own empire or uh, developing your own story. It's just basically kind of like Star Trek Armada, if you guys ever remember that game. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, this is actually called Star Trek Armada 3. And that's one of the screenshots I've been sending you guys mostly of. <laughs> oh, okay. They still look cool. <laughs> it does yes. look cool. Yeah. They still look good. So, Not listen, guys, we're going to... The version of the game doesn't look as cool, but it's it's more of an Empire strategy type of RTS game, so... Well, those are fun, too. I enjoy those, too. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to take uh, another quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to get the fan scores on Star Trek Picard Watcher. Don't touch that dial. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith that you call we want to hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In Trek talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you got to do is down now You can reach us right now We've got faith We've got faith Faith that you call And we're back. And, you know, I had to play that. It's David's fault that I had to play that. Because David <laughs> mentioned mentioned Captain Archer, and that immediately put me there. And so you guys had to hear that awesome version that Eric recorded for us. That used to be our theme song for a little while. Um, so, anyways, here we are. So before we go any further. Um, Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- Red alert! Suffice to say, full spoilers follow from here on out, so if you haven't watched the episode yet, definitely go check that out first before you watch. Yeah, that's right. So I don't want any hate mail from anybody. I get enough of it. I don't need any more. So please, if you haven't watched last week's Star Trek Picard, quick watch it, pause the podcast, and then come back. So each week on our Facebook page, I ask you guys, our fans, the same question. What did you think about this week's episode? And I ask you to score it on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And, Eric, what did our Facebook fans think about Star Trek Picard Watcher? Well, we have Michael Goss here, who has given it a 10. So thanks, Michael. Uh, top fan Sean Jr. gave a solid 7.5. Didn't really like this episode. Uh, Claire DeLuna. Gave it a ten. Mitchell Giles gave it a nine. Chris Troni gave it a seven. This episode is a dramatic shift from the previous so far, which have been excellent. The boombox bust moment tribute to Star Trek Four was a great touch, but what made me smile even more was mentioning Chris Brinner on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, totally agree, Chris. Uh, Benjamin Whitney gave it a nine. 
Rabbit Hall said, uh, this was a nine for me and not an automatic 10. It was very, very enjoyable. It had the intrigue of the Borg Queen, the buddy movie aspect of Seven and Rafi, and great reintroduction of Guinan. The weak part was Rios. He just wasn't given much to do. Uh, Jill Jupp gave it a 10. Dwayne Keda gave it a 10, best so far. And Luke Dianachitismir gave it a 8. And that gives us, so far, uh, for this episode, a fan score of 9.0, which, can you believe, we're four episodes in, and 9.0 is the lowest. By the I know. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so the fans, uh, so far, at least our fans uh, who interact with us, on our Facebook page, are still really digging uh, Picard at this point. Uh, average score nine is a little surprising for me for this one, but uh, there you have it. And, you know, that shouldn't be surprising because every time we run a poll, well, when, when we were able to before Facebook took that option away from us, um, Picard would win hands down in any poll that we ever ran, if you guys recall. Um, Picard, hands down. Our, our Facebook followers are Picard fans right down the line. So that they doesn't are, surprise and, me. And I do think that there's a particular type of Star Trek that they seem to dig as well. And I think that the way that Picard is being written right now is, uh, is giving them exactly that. So not surprising yeah. in a lot of ways that, that the nines uh, are flowing here because um, it's some very traditional kind of adventure-based Star Trek we're getting right now from Picard. Absolutely. I'm, I'm digging it myself. So uh, I've got a lot. Wow, I didn't realize I had so much. I've got a lot of points to make in this uh, in this one. So let's just dive in. So uh, one of the things that I noticed right away that made me laugh is when Girardi says, "Look at you, Dixon Hill." Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, that was funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think that she like knew that about him? I mean, here's here's my headcanon on that, Jim. Um, she says that. Uh, pre-assimilation attempt right no post or uh is it pre-assimilation no, it was no it, it was it no, was post, after it was because... last episode yeah right so so she says that post-assimilation so my headcanon on that is that she got just enough information from the board queen when she plugged in with the board queen who got just enough information from picard when he was locutus to understand that his happy place is inside a dixon hill novel Exactly. I, I love and, and I this episode is loaded with 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 homages and 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 fan acknowledgement of past Star Treks, which which I love. And that's one of them. Dixon Hill being, of course, the holographic uh, detective that Picard likes to visit on the holodeck. So that was pretty. Well, cool. and, a bit of, and this a, a bit of a spoiler. Dixon Hill, the name is mentioned in, Rio, in Rios' novel. Mm-hmm. That comes up. Yep, That's right, it does. So I wonder if it's been mentioned in some of Picard's uh, writing, too. I wonder if he's talked about it, because he's a, he's a major fan of any Dixon Hill book. Right. Right, right. <clears throat> well, he's a reader next of one... I, uh, when, when I was watching it, when me and my wife and my daughter were watching it, this next scene cracked us up (laughs) big time. And I immediately, because unfortunately they made me watch this episode before the podcast. Um, so I couldn't talk about it, but I wanted to so bad because 
the punk on the bus scene made me think of Charles right away. Yeah. And I yeah. couldn't say anything, but all I did was tell Charles there's a scene in tonight's episode that you're going to love, and I thought of you right away, and it was the punk on the bus. What did you yeah. think about the punk on the bus, Charles? Oh, I loved it, because as Jim has acknowledged, his favorite movie is Star Trek Four, And I always talk about my favorite is Star Trek. His is Star Trek Two. Mine is Star Trek Four. And, and I thought it was a great scene, and then I found out the details, that they brought the original actor back to play him, it's like, that's even better. The original actor from Star Trek Four came in to do Picard. And that scene was classic. I kind of looked, he got rubbed his neck. It's like, uh-oh. I think I vaguely remember something about this. And he just sits there and kind of just shrugs off. And it's like, it was a great homage to... Star Trek 4 fan. And I don't know if you noticed, but the song, he wrote a new yep. version of the song yeah. called I Still yep. Hate I You. I Still Hate You. Yeah, 25 <laughs> years later, and I Still Hate You. It, it was a good. I loved it because it was his song. He could play with it. And it, it, was, it was a great moment. The new show, and it's like, that was perfect. You know what? You know what? This episode reminds me of Lower Decks, but live action. Because Lower Decks <laughs> yeah. would do things like this all the time. And as an animated show, they could draw this one in or that one or the other one. But for a live action show to, to get so many nods into so many different Star Trek yeah. episodes was just incredible. I, I loved it. I and I do want to say, we are going to... Go ahead. I wonder if they're taking... I wonder if they're taking a hint from Lower Deck and purposely doing it. It's 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 very possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. I I want to make we are going to talk about this a little bit later. So I guess I guess yeah, let's talk about this right now. I guess. Let me look at the yeah. So um, Guinan uh, does not know Picard in this episode. And for all the gatekeepers and naysayers and haters, this was a major point right now, right here. <laughs> but yeah. I wanna, I just, I, I, I we ha, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss this, <laughs> and it ties into the bus guy, as well. So, in the in the future, you you got to remember uh, wh- what we're looking at here. This is a future where the Federation doesn't exist. So Picard and crew comes from the future where Picard doesn't exist. So Everything that's on this timeline hasn't happened the way we think it happened because it's, it's a different timeline with the same people. The only people that remember it are Picard and the crew because I guess they're protected by the temporal rift like they were in First Contact when, you know, I guess. Yeah, Gerardi says something about that uh, last episode or maybe the episode before. Yeah, they're, they're all kind of inside their own little time a bubble or knowledge zone, yeah. I guess. Something like that. And when we're talking yeah. about temporal mechanics, it, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it, it all yep. depends on how you want to look at it. And, and if you want to be a hater, you're going to find a way to say it, that you didn't like it because it violated this. But, but my, it. Here, here's my take on it. Okay. They were in timeline A. 
Q does something, creates timeline B. They're in timeline B. They go back in time in timeline B. In timeline B, Picard never went back to San Francisco to meet Guinan because he was too busy flying around in the USS World Razor killing people and doing evil. So he never went back to San Francisco. He never met Guinan. Data's head never got blown off and left in San Francisco. And because of that, because of none of that ever happened, the character of Guinan is very disenfranchised with humanity. She's a very different version of Guinan than the one that Picard meets on Earth, uh, you know, back in 1863 or whenever it was where they went yeah. to. It, right. It's a totally different Guinan because this Guinan has experienced different things than the Guinan that Picard met on TNG. So that's why well, Guinan doesn't know Picard. However, yeah. if you got, if, if other fans really want to get really want to get into an interesting read on this, I posted a blog post from David Mack, one of our favorite authors, who is involved with Picard, and he talks about temporal mechanics and talks about these timelines. It's an interesting discussion. It's even a little over my head, some of the stuff he goes over. But it's an interesting discussion on what's going on with Picard. Now, as far as the bus guy goes, now, you have to remember, in the words of, of the great sage William Shatner himself, for God's <laughs> sakes, it's only a TV show, okay? <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the butt punk on the bus was a beautifully perfectly executed nod and homage to Star Trek. It is not meant to be read into any deeper than that. Okay. Nope. So, the, so the, the guy rubbed his shoulder and said, Oh, I'm sorry. And turned off the boom box. Okay. It was Funny. a nod to Star Trek four. It was humorous. It was not meant to say, this is the exact same guy that Spock mind melded in 1986. So therefore this whole timeline is crap because this guy remembers it. Guinan does it. I'm not watching the show. I hate it. They're going off at a tangent. It doesn't work for me. Sorry. Turn it off. I hate it. No, that's not what that was about at all. That was just a, a, a moment, a fanboy moment for the fans. And that's, that's, yeah. that's it. That's all. That's it. And they did it perfectly. I felt it was so, yeah, there's that. Now we've talked about the timeline. Let's, let's, I want to try to tie everything together because we're getting out of time. Yeah. So, Huge snaps his fingers at the end and loses his power. He doesn't yeah. have it anymore. Now, we're going to tie this all together. Q has never, never completely changed the entire universe like he did this time. And, and he's changed things for Picard and shown Picard versions of, of things that could have been, should have been, would have been, whatever. But he's never changed the, the whole world, the entire everything before like this never well, uh, okay yeah go, go ahead Charles. no yeah I'm, gonna, I'm starting to think of we're dealing with the supervisor and the watcher does the watcher have some ability to override q and the continuum well w well we're going to talk about the watcher in a minute but the the point i wanted to make was the, Q is a yeah. different 
Q. He's a different version of Q. He slaps Picard. He's angrier. He's he's different. He's not the same Q. The reason why he's not the same Q is because by changing the timeline that he did, think let this think about this for a second. The Federation never existed. If the Federation never existed, then that means that Quinn Voyager what never happened. So Janeway wasn't able to talk to allow Quinn to commit suicide like he wanted to because Q because Voyager never happened. Also, when the Civil War breaks out in the Q continuum, they're not there to stop it to help them propagate so and have babies like like he did with the little with the baby Janeway thing on Voyager. All those things that happened never happened. So if those things didn't happen to alter the Q continuum, what effects did that have on the Q continuum? And I think we're seeing that right now. We're seeing the effects of it on Q and on the Q continuum. And Q cannot change it because he doesn't have his powers. He needs to rely on Picard to figure it out and fix it. That's my take on it. What, what, guys, what do you well, think? Well, okay, so I see where you're going with this, Jim, and I'm, I'm along for like two-thirds of the ride. Um, the third of the ride that I'm not along for is that it was pretty clear that in Q's uh, mind, Picard is at fault for <clears throat> either making a bad decision or he, he talks once again about his hubris, basically. He doesn't use the word hubris. I can't remember the exact line that he says, but he, it's basically like the arrogance of Picard has caused this problem that breaks the universe. And so what it's supposed to come down to is what did Picard do or not do that Picard was supposed to do or not do. And I don't know if I totally buy that like the longevity of the Q race is based on some decision that Picard made in the past. I think that there's, there's some other connection here that's not necessarily just related to the mortality or lack thereof of a cue. Um, so, like I said, along for a lot of the ride that you just talked about, but there's a, there's a connection there that I don't think has been revealed yet that has to do uh, with it being Picard's fault. Yeah, I'm actually wondering if Guyan has something to do with this, maybe her race or something that's causing Q to lose his power. Well, we're going to talk about Guinan, I think, a little bit more here in a little bit. But here's what yeah. I'll say about her is that she she is clearly a different Guinan in this one. And, Jim, I won't step step too far in this direction because I know we probably want to play a clip on it. But but it's clear that something is different before this time period too, right? Like the whole premise here is that uh, you go back to the year 2024, something changes in three days, uh, and that's the thing that sets everything on a bad course. Well – well, clearly, uh, something changed before now, right? Because this Guinan is like a really different Guinan, and I don't think it's just because she didn't meet Picard in Time Zero in 1893. I think there's other stuff that's going on that somehow makes this timeline. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the implication is that Star Trek has never been in our timeline, and now they're in our timeline. <laughs> it, it, I don't it know. Could, it's it's possible. You know? Yeah. Well, I wanted to I wanted to tie this into a few other items that um, so everybody's talking about the sanctuary districts that we see on DS9's past tense, which plays a lot in this episode. But if the Federation doesn't exist, this means Cisco didn't go back and he didn't take the place of Bell 
to have the Bell Riots. So do the Bell Riots still happen if Cisco doesn't interfere? Was that a preordained time explanation paradox deal or what? I don't know. But um, there's, so Picard's not going to meet Cisco because Cisco doesn't exist either. Well, he exists, but, but not no, the version of Cisco that – not the version that we version. know. The Okay. Picard is in April 2024. Cisco didn't come in there till I believe it was August 2024. So we still got a few months to go before the Bell Riots occur. Wow. Right, but the Federation doesn't exist, so right. Cisco can't come back but if he's the Bell- But I think Cisco got in the middle of it to cause Bell to be killed. But Cisco knew about the Bell riots prior, so I think the Bell riots would have happened well, if well. if Cisco hadn't interfered. I think what happens is the Bell riots happen, but Cisco's not there to interfere. So either they don't have the same effect that that they're supposed to have, or um, you know something something changes in the in the timeline here as a result of Cisco or not being there because the it wasn't enough. prevents the Bell war. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen uh, so far. Sorry, we're getting a little uh, wrapped up in this here, Jim. But like, we're going to talk about no, oh, here a little bit too. But the the whole, you know, we're seeing this kind of authoritarianism really represented here in this uh, in last week's episode and this week's episode. You get just a little tiny bit of Rios. I agree with our um, Facebook poster who said, you know, there wasn't quite enough Rios in this episode. But um, it's the idea of authoritarianism causing uh, fundamental shifts in the shape that a society takes. And um, I think they're trying to mirror what's going on with like ICE and Rios and the doctor and all that kind of stuff right now with the authoritarian Picard that we see in the future of this particular timeline that he's in where he's the one who's authoritarian. He's the one who's, you know, killing off the last board, killing off the last Vulcan. Uh, that kind of stuff. So we're, I think the implication here is that we're, they're showing us what we're doing right now. And if we keep on this, in, on this track, it, it's going to go sour. Well, well, Guinan pretty much says that to Picard when she, she says what, yeah. 1% of the people own everything and they could change everything, but they don't want to lose their power. They're she says scared that right about, to yeah, they're scared yeah. about having less, which is like right. so true. She, she says that right to Picard. So this is a soured Guinan from the one that we know. Um, so another thing that I wanted to mention was the headline on the newspaper about Bronner fighting uh, unionization, which in DS9's past tense, he was with Dax helping her to correct things. But in this universe, in this version, he's the enemy. He's the one that's that's advocating against it which is another interesting change from what we saw in past tense so this character is a completely different version of the character that we know from that episode which further tells me that this is not our timeline but the, mm-hmm. everyone's under the impression that Picard went back in time to before it changed, and it's the timeline that we all know and love. No, no. He went back in time in the new timeline that Q created. Yes, it's a different timeline. 
So this this just proves that it's a different timeline. It's a different guy in. It's a different punk on the bus. It's a different thing, um, but not but not totally different because I don't know if you guys noticed it, but when Guinan is walking with Picard and Guinan is giving away her stuff because she's going to leave the planet earth and she brings all of her stuff and donates it to the mission. Did you notice the name of the mission? Mm-hmm. Sure it did. was the, the 21st street mission. And Eric, yeah. what is so special about that to the world of Star Trek? Uh, well, that is, of course, from City on the Edge of Forever, um, the mission that Edith Keeler uh, was the head of that, uh, that Spock and Kirk went to go stay at, and Spock built his little machine in one of those little rooms that they stayed in. Exactly. So, so there's that little, little tidbit of a tie-in as well. And uh, when, when Q is sitting there, tries to snap his fingers and loses his power. Oh, and by the way, there's a phone number on his business card, which I gave out at the beginning of the show. I advise you call it. You won't be disappointed. Trust me. You'll yeah. love it. Give it a call. But when he tries to snap his fingers and he can't, did anyone notice the name of the, of the building, of the, um, the, the plaza where he was sitting? It was Jackson, yeah, Jackson Reuter. Yeah. And what's the significance of that? Uh, that is the from this episode, The Changeling. Yeah, um, it's the it's the name of one of the characters from that episode. Yep. That's right. Nomad uh, thinks yeah. that James T. Kirk is James Roy Kirk, <laughs> yeah. right, who created Nomad and that he's their creator. So they threw Which that I in love, there. By the way, I love uh, that particular thing because that also ties back to the James R. Kirk thing that's shown in Cat's Paw versus James T. Kirk. Uh, I, that just cracks me up. Yep. Absolutely. Jim, did you see the license plate on Guy's yes. vehicle? I, I did see the license oh, what did it plate. Say? I, I missed that. What does it S2, say, Charles? S2E1. And what's the significance oh, of that? Two, episode one, the child, the first oh. episode Guinan appeared in. Ah, yep. got it. Pretty cool. See, so, cool. you know, people that are saying that the writers on the on these shows aren't paying attention and aren't Star Trek fans and don't know what they're doing, all I got to say is pooey. They they know a lot more <laughs> than than you're giving them credit for. This episode just proves it. So uh, what else did I want to mention before uh, did we – yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We talked about that. Uh, so uh, Picard says that the Nazis took over Chateau Picard, and they fled to England using the tunnels. And what's the significance of that? Because people have been complaining about how can Picard be from France and have an English accent? Mm-hmm. Well, now we know. Now you know why. Mm-hmm. Because the Nazis uh, took over the chateau and they fled to England. And I think he says in the episode that it was it was generations before the Picards moved back or something. Yep. Something yep. like that. Exactly. So that's that. Girardi is infatuated with the number fifteen. <laughs> What's that all about? Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? It shows up a few times, and even if you uh, – oh, man, there's one other thing that they showed where the numbers add up to 15. There was like a 735 thing somewhere in the episode, and those add up to 15. So clearly, this is a really important number. And, of course, we first heard it last week when she tries to be assimilated by the board queen, 
She says, 15. Uh, and that's about it. So uh, we get no info on that this episode, but uh, we know it's important. It's important. Well, we guess, uh, we guess it might have to do with April 15th. Uh, that they're currently uh, April 12th. You're right. That's a guess. Say, yeah. Could be. So uh, there's also three days from now. There's the Europa mission, which we see everywhere. The side of the building, the side of the bus, on Q's jacket. I don't know what the Europa mission is, but for me, I think a 2001 a Space Odyssey in Europa. Um, you know, uh, when they found the monolith well, and they said, you know, you can go anywhere but here. And, you know, they went there and it was it was a bad thing by going there. <laughs> So, I, but I don't know. I don't know what the significance of the Europa mission is, but but it's all over the place. It's got to have something to do with it. So what? Can I, I don't know. Can I tell you one thing that I highly suspect, and I wonder if they're actually like going here? Um, currently, right now, NASA actually does have a mission called the Europa Clipper, and it is actually supposed to interact, or it's supposed to launch in October of 2024 from Kennedy Space Center. And its mission is to go and explore the moon of Europa. So when you actually do a Google search these days for Europa mission, if you just type that in, um, you'll get some real life stuff that actually has a date of 2024 attached to it. So I'm, color me extremely curious about that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That is, that is really cool. So um, I want to save that for last. So um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, in this episode, was Rafi and Seven stealing the cop car. Um, it, it was just a riot. I, I, I just, when do you see a car well, chase on Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just not well, the type of thing that you see. If you got to see Ready Room and the behind the scenes, that was even more technical than we thought because they have some great scenes where you see the car, but the actual driving scenes, it's not a remote control car. The person's on the roof driving the car. Yep. There were times where... The direct actually was sitting in the back seat during some of the scenes, killing some of the shots. It's like, yeah, wow, that was a complicated, good scene to be doing, and that was several days to put that together. It, it was it was a fun scene, and I one, one of the parts yeah. that made me laugh is when uh, Rafi pulls out her phaser, and Seven's like, "What happened to the no phasers?" And she's like, "This, I don't know how this got here," and she yeah. blows out the window. And then she types into her tricorder and, and unlocks the door. And Seven's like, you could have done that all the time. Why did you break the window? And she says, because I wanted to. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I, I, I wanted to throw that in there. And I, I really like, I'm really liking the, the Rios. Um, he wasn't in the episode much, but I think he made the most of the scenes that he was in when he was in the ice detention center with the doctor. And, uh, he tells the ICE officer, comes over and says, are you ready to tell us who you are? And he tells him who he is, for real. <laughs> and the ICE guy's like, yeah. okay, yeah. Well, when you're ready to talk, come back. And I thought that was great because he told him the truth. 
He really is a captain from the future, from the Stargazer. I just, I thought that was great. I really enjoyed that scene. Well, some people, some people kind of go off on this episode, but you got to realize we have four different storylines going on at the same time. There is just so much one can do in getting everybody getting their time in the scene. But we got Girardi and the Queen going on. We got Raffi and Seven going on. We got Picard going on. And we got Rios going on. Most of the time they'll do an A B story. Whereas we've got an A B C D story going on. We've got a real web tied into this thing. So we've got a lot of things that are hidden. It's a a lot of points that like, okay, what's going to happen next? And they put those those commercial breaks in there. Even though into the commercials, I love some of their cutting off points. Leah Thomas did a great job of cutting off and putting suspense in there. So I've touched on all the topics I wanted to touch on. Hopefully you guys listening, it made you think. And you maybe heard some things you didn't think of, um, which is the whole point of this. But I want to get down to the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. The title of the episode was Watcher. We meet the Watcher. And who is the Watcher? Well, in my opinion, if you guys have listened to the Comic Corner, which we used to do all the time, IDW Comics, well, and the books, too, I got the. The comic books and the books are really, uh, they're canon. Uh, what did, what did, what did J.K. Woodard call them? Canon adjacent. Canon adjacent. Right. Um, but these comic books and the novels that we're reading really feel like extended versions of the shows. They're, they're that good, and they mesh really well with what we see on the show, which just makes them that much more enjoyable. We actually finished up year five, and year five was all about Gary Seven, the supervisor. His backstory, where he came from, where ISIS came from, the whole bit was really delved into deeply in the comic books. And we found out that, that, that they've been here for Genghis Khan. They've been here through all of it. And now we find out that there actually is a watcher for, for, for real on Star Trek. When the watcher shows up at, and it it's Laris, but is it really well, Laris? Or no, because it doesn't have the ears. Could it, could it have be the ears? Right, but mm-hmm. on assignment Earth, on assignment Earth, Isis, and in the comic books. But I'm not going to lean on the comic books because a lot of people haven't read that. But we know because we read it. Isis can assume human form, and Isis would assume the form of somebody that you would be comfortable with. So if, if she was reading Picard's thoughts, it would only make sense that she would assume the form of Laris to make it more easily to communicate with Picard. So I think that the watcher, the supervisor is actually ISIS. I think. Yeah. And I want yeah, to throw that I... out there to you guys and see if you guys got that same vibe that I got. Well, Jim, I think it was, it was a few weeks ago when uh, we first mentioned uh, Gary Seven and Aegis, the whole agency that he works for, and whether or not they could be tied into this. And I will tell you that it, particularly because of the very last scene in this episode, 
to me, that was just confirmation. Um, that's just the way they travel. They've got these doors that open up, look kind of smoky. Uh, they walk through them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I think it'll be interesting if it really is Isis. I'm still not entirely convinced of that. I think she might just be another Aegis agent. But, uh, but if it was Isis, that'd be pretty cool. I'd be into that. Yeah, go ahead, David. Um, in Enterprise, when Daniels was showing Archer the whole timeline thing, did he ever mention the Watchers? He never mentioned uh, that organization at all. He talked about no, that, uh, people who no. were who were um, who were watching a temp. Uh, what did he call them? Temporal agents uh, who were watching the timeline, but he didn't specifically mention that they were part of Aegis, and he didn't specifically mention Gary Seven. Now that doesn't mean that they're not connected. Because I see where you're going with that, David, but he, it just wasn't very clear. Right, okay, and this is the first time we've we've uh, the Marvel Universe has the Watcher. There is an actual Watcher yeah. in the comic books of the yeah. Marvel Universe, but this is Star Trek, and that's the first time we ever heard of a Watcher. The Watcher knew Guinan though, and that was made if you think that it yep. was Isis because of the way she was talking. She's like, well, she might she might bite your eyelids off. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. Or she might put a boot in your head. And she was pretty um, violent towards Guinan. And that made me think of the cat. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe it's not. I don't know. But when, Yeah, particularly if you've read those year five comics and you know where she goes in those. Woo. Yes. And, and <laughs> yeah. I went back and watched Assignment Earth. And in Assignment Earth, Gary Seven steps into his um, uh, his safe. And it's kind of a smoky, swirly thing. Yeah, totally. And of course, this is now, this is 2022 now. It's not 1967 anymore. So when the, when the, when it opens up, it's this really fancy looking blue. It's a, it's, it's, so to me, that's just a modernized version of what we saw in Assignment Earth. So yeah. I, I really think that that's what we're seeing. Now, again, I didn't watch tonight's episode intentionally. So I, my opinion wouldn't be tainted. But that's what I think. So that's why I saved that for last. There you go. So anyways, we've touched on everything I wanted to touch on. And we, we, we really talked about Gary Seven and, and uh, the supervisor, which if I remember correctly in the episode, I think she's actually referred to as the supervisor. I think that name is actually mentioned. I don't remember correctly. I, I can't remember if she if they actually said that or not, but yeah, yeah. I think I Check think that that what that that particular term was used in the episode, which even further is further confirmation of what we're seeing. But I'll have to watch it after the podcast to see. So uh, that wraps everything up except for our scores. Now the fans gave it a nine. And we'll start off with you, David. What do you think? One to ten. Ten being the best. Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to have to give this one a 9.0. So you're right down the line with the fans. Pretty much. That's cool. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. How about you, Charles? The fans a little bit just because they did a good job, but I kind of want to wait and see what they do with it. I'll move up to an 8.7. 8.75. Still respectable. Still in line with still the fans. Which is, yeah, still very respectable. How about you, Eric? 
well, gosh, uh, I, I guess the trend is going to continue just a little bit here uh, where my scores are going to be just a little bit lower than the others. Um, you know, I give episode one a nine. I give episode two an eight. Uh, I give episode three a 9.5. This one just really... I don't know. It felt more like a seven to me. Uh, it, it was a, a story development one. You know what I think would have switched it for me? If they had taken as much time as they spent on the car chase and spent that on Rios instead, I think I would have been more interested. The, uh, I respect that the car chase was fun for a lot of people. It was uninteresting to me, and I didn't feel like it really lent that much to the story. So um, I'll, I'll give it a seven this week. So I, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed this one. I felt that the writers put a lot in there for fans to notice. There was a lot of fan service in this one. Little things. And it's the little things that make it fun, like lower decks, watching the, all the different things. So I really, really enjoyed it a lot. So, um, but not that bad. So I, I think I'm right there with the fans. I think at 9.3, I thought this was a fun, fun romp. Now tonight, we should see a lot of Rios tonight because tonight they rescue him from ice. So we should see a lot of Rios in tonight's episode. So that's, that's my, that's my score. And I want to let you guys know, we have a lot of Trek coming up this week, a lot of Trek. So um, I want to let you guys know that on Sunday, we have the full uncut Eric and Paul for fireside chat number Six, and uh, Eric has already given us a little teaser about that. So you can tune in on Sunday and hear Eric and Paul's full uncut fireside chat of the old vine wine from Star Trek Armada's wine collection. Check that out. Now on Monday, we I was going to do it tonight, but I, I knew we wouldn't have time. They've been dropping a lot of Strange New Worlds character promos on us. And I wanted to get them into this show, but I knew we couldn't. So on Monday at 7.30, we're going to have a special Strange New Worlds show. And we're going to play all of the clips that we have so far. And we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds. Now, this is going to be an interesting show because it's not going to be our usual show. We're going to be joined by Paul, the wine guy himself, and Victoria Kicker of Klingon Butt Fox, who's a fan favorite of ours. She's been on the show several times. And uh, Eric is going to try to join us, right, Eric? I believe I can make it. Maybe. So it's, we're going to have a, 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 a good mix-up for you guys. It's going to be a little different um, feel than we usually have, but I think it's going to be great nonetheless. And the highlight is going to be next week when we have on the show live, we're going to be watching Star Trek, the motion picture, the director's 4K cut, which drops on Paramount Plus on Tuesday. So make sure you watch that. And then on Thursday's show, we're going to talk about tonight's episode of Picard, but we're going to highlight Star Trek The Motion Picture's new 4K director's cut. And we're going to have the one and only Philo Barnhart, who was an animator. He hand-painted, yes, you heard me correct, hand-painted frame by frame by frame by frame V'ger from the original Star Trek The Motion Picture. He also worked on the Klingon torpedoes in the opening sequence and some other um, animation in the movie. But it was all done by hand, guys. Remember, there was no CGI back then. So somebody, they had to have people sit there and paint V'ger one frame at a time. Just, just 
let that sink in. Okay. So he's going to be with us to talk about what he thinks about the new director's cut version of the motion picture and share some stories about us with working on the original one. But wait, there's more. Um, we also are going to have with us, um, oh, I forgot her name. I can't believe I forgot her name. Um, can I get it up real quick here? Baba, come on, come on, come on. No, I can't. Damn. Um, I'm going to have an extra who was on Star Trek, the motion picture, who actually was in some scenes with Leonard Nimoy himself, was in the makeup trailer when Leonard had his ears put on, uh, was in some scenes and, and talked with Robert Wise. And uh, she's going to talk to us about what it was actually like to be a fan in Star Trek, the motion picture, the very first time Star Trek hit the silver screen and the return of Star Trek, which had to be really exciting. I, I, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. So that's going to be next Thursday. So we've got a lot of Trek for you guys, a lot of Trek talking between now and next Thursday. And make sure you head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow. I got to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out with us tonight and for doing the excellent, excellent, excellent fireside chats with Eric. Thank you so much, Paul. And also thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek Talking with us. Thank you, David. Of course. It's fun. It's always fun, isn't it? <laughs> And I also want to say thank you. Thank you so much to uh, Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, always. Yeah, it was, it was so always fun. so much going on, Star Trek. Yeah, we do. We definitely do. And, of course, thank you. Thank you to almost for our very own Eric for doing the, the wine tasting test, of course, with Paul. And for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Eric. Hey, you know what? If I get to drink wine and write cool Star Trek songs every once in a while, I'm a happy man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And and it shows. I can't wait to hear the full uncut version of you and Paul. It's going to be a good one. Uh, I will tell you, it's it's pretty animated. And, uh, and of course, you get to spend a little bit more time with us at dinner than you did tonight. So that'll be fun. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, guys, you got a lot to listen to. You've got, you've got the on-cut Paul and Eric on Sunday. You're going to have Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Monday. You've got Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's 4K Cut to Watch on Paramount Plus on Tuesday. And then you're going to join us on Thursday for our special review of Star Trek The Motion Picture with Philo Barnhart. So we've got a lot of Trek for you guys this week, but I love it. I love it. The golden age of Star Trek. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying thank you so much to each and every single one of you guys for the support that you give us. I, I can't thank you enough, so thank you. And I just want to say stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye, all. Bye. Let's see what's out there.